Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ditch the Hustle podcast. I'm Amanda Rootsy. I'm Nicola Newman. And I'm Naomi Arnold. We're business coaches and founders of the Gentle Business Mastermind, which is a global year-long experience for kind-hearted entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, makers of beautiful things, creatives, coaches, teachers, writers, and small business owners. To us, gentle business is a choose-your-own-adventure rather than a one-size-fits-all approach, and we can't wait to go on this adventure with you. Now we invite you to take a moment to take a deep breath, shimmy your shoulders, roll your neck, and settle in for another conversation about growing your business gently. Welcome back to the Ditch the Hustle podcast, and today... Naomi, Amanda and I are very keen to explore a topic that's dear to our hearts and we're interested to see where the conversation leads actually, if we can surprise ourselves a little bit as we unpack this concept of gentle success. What does gentle success look like for you and we're going to explore what it looks like for each of us and how we can invite more of it into our lives. So I would love to begin, Naomi, by asking you, what is your relationship with success? Because I know you were saying in the break uh, before we hit record that it's like many things in your life has shifted over time. (laughs) We should just record that line and insert it ahead of everything I say. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting because when we were talking about this episode, at first I was like, oh, how am I going to articulate anything around this? Because I feel like I have so many mixed thoughts around it and I'm not sure how to connect them all together. So hopefully what I do string together makes some sense. But I think I used to spend a lot more time thinking about success than perhaps what I do now. I feel like the older I get, the less I care about success and even defining it for myself. And I know like I used to And I have, and I've helped clients as well, like unpack what it means to them through asking questions of myself and them. So things like what or how have I been taught or socialized to define it? If I threw that out the window, what would it personally look and feel like for me? You know, how does values factor into it? How does what I've achieved and survived factored into it and not things that others feel I've achieved or got through, but what I personally feel I have. How can I create an environment that will help me feel that way? So I guess I used to explore those type of questions more and maybe I still do, just not as consciously as what I have in the past. But nowadays, I think I'm just more aware of that it's not a binary. So it's not I'm successful or I'm not successful. And I can acknowledge that I am inherently successful and I still have goals that I'm moving toward. So I think it's more of a, for me, the focus on this self-trust and confidence and leaving room for evolution and for more goals to be realized. And even when I think about it in a business context, I can look at things like business growth and numbers and goals and things like this, but I don't seem to look at it in relationship with success or 
judging myself or measuring things. I'm kind of more looking at them with a curious mindset, like looking for trends, looking for information that might inform or or help me move toward goals. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've talked in circles a little bit there, but it's kind of like this knowing that I'm successful and knowing that I have goals that I'm moving toward as opposed to this binary of am I successful or not. As like a destination. Yeah. Well, I think that was very eloquent and I just want to say what she said. (laughs) End of episode. (laughs) Episode over. (laughs) There were so many nuggets of wisdom in there, Nay. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I just want to sit there for a moment and reflect on it all. Yes, me too. You you really highlighted some questions that we can ask if it's something we're trying to define for ourselves, but also leaving room for recognising that it's not a binary and, and... And we can feel successful no matter what's going on in our life. That's what I really felt from that too. Mm. And that we can look at the figures and the trends and things with a mindset of curiosity and not self-judgment. So cool. Yeah, like to me, those things don't. And I know we've been taught that they mean success, like the more money you make and, I don't know, the bigger the numbers and things like that we've been taught have been successful. That means success and they're not. They're not things that I I value, but they're still important in a way because I do need to make money and I do want to make more money in my business. Yet when I go down the path of like, what is the relationship with success there? I just don't find it useful. Whereas if I go down the path of, okay, how is looking at this stuff informing my goals or where I want to be whilst knowing that I'm successful, it kind of just feels more useful and helpful to me. How about you, Mandy? What would you say your relationship with success looks and feels like? Yeah, it was so interesting hearing Nay's take. But also what's coming to mind is that a conversation we had this morning on our community call for the Gentle Business Mastermind. And, and the theme for this month is money and financial growth. And we had this really lovely discussion around enoughness and feeling enough, feeling like you have enough feeling like you are enough, all all of those things. And that's what's coming to mind for me when I think of success is, yeah, recognizing and appreciating what is there now rather than looking for the next milestone to achieve and that, you know, when I'll get there, then then I'll feel successful. Mm. Because the next, what my experience of that has been is that you always get to the next milestone and we're just wired and naturally built to raise the bar on ourselves and move the goalpost yeah. and, uh, and, you know, reset that again. So it's lovely to cultivate a feeling of enoughness in, it's quite a countercultural thing to do though, because our culture is full of messages that more is better. And um, it takes quite a lot of awareness to even start to investigate whether or not there's another possibility and how that can feel and that we can continue to grow and be of service in the world while also feeling enough. That was something you were mentioning on the call this morning that I thought was really fascinating and how our mind will often, it's a bit like saying that if I live in the moment, then I'm never going to achieve any goals. Yeah, I I really, yeah, I do wonder sometimes if I sit here and feel enough and feel content um, my mind can go to feeling a, a little bit guilty then of what, well, or or wondering if that's the right thing to do, which must come from messaging we're seeing all the time around, like you said, constantly achieving more. But I felt like if I am okay with enough, if I have enough now, then I'm 
closing off the possibility of what else can come in. Um, but it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be that way at all. And and hearing what you said, Nay, as well, just then helps me feel that too. It, it it feels like the same conversation, just using a different word almost. That we can feel success now, but still have still be working towards something else, still growing into something else and evolving. Yeah. And I, when you were talking, well, both of you, and you said how, you know, we've been taught that more is better, I scribbled that down in front of me because it's certain things, right, that we've been taught that more is better, not everything. Like we haven't been taught that more joy is better, more community and connection is better. And I guess those types of things, when we do pause and reflect about what we've been taught and what our values are and how we want to live our lives and how that all connects. That's where you can start to see some of those patterns, I guess, and unpack them a little bit. Yes. It's values, isn't it? You know, if, if you've got values around freedom um, or independence or, or having more joy in your day, then you can feel successful without a lot of money and without a lot of possessions. But if you're living out of a van and traveling around, then, then you feel, yeah, you can feel successful in that way. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't be wanting more of other things or things that are traditionally aligned with what we've been taught about success. Hey, it's just not how we measure our, I guess, worth or enoughness, as you said. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Oh, wow. I've got like six dozen ideas going through my brain at one time. (laughs) Would you like a moment to process them gently? (laughs) Well, I was just thinking about driving around in a van (laughs) with my dog. Um, I took my dog on Geordie's last hurrah because I knew she was going to need to be put down. She was 16 and she had cancer and um, I uh, decided to take off on a solo trip with her in my van down around Tasmania. This was before I met my husband and, um, and I felt incredibly, incredibly successful in my own way because I was doing the things that were completely aligned with my values during that trip and um, I think for me, success is, um, it's like for everyone, I guess it's so multifaceted, but there was a very pivotal experience in my 20s when I was processing my family falling apart and having grown up and experienced great wealth at one point and then having everything change and not having the relationships with my some of my immediate family for a period of time that that I once did, I was went to a psychologist to go and get some support and she took me through a really beautiful exercise to help me define my values. And it was a process that I teach in my um, Art of Creative Living program where you have all these cards that list out different values. It's a common values exercise, but cards listing different values and you work through each of the cards and put, separate the ones that feel true to you. So things like adventure or affluence or community or, uh, yeah, different values, words like that. And you put them in a pile and then you keep working through it and identifying the ones that encapsulate the wholeness of your values. So you're sort of squirreling them away and, and whittling it down until I ended up with three main values And at the time, those values were intimacy, creativity, and adventure. And that simple exercise back in my early 20s really helped me to understand where I was going to invest my time in my my work um, as an artist and also 
where I was going to invest my money to support those things that were important to me. So I always made sure I had money put aside to go traveling. I always had money put aside to buy art materials. And I carved out time to develop an intimacy with myself and also with the people um, close to me. And so I think, and largely those values haven't really changed. Adventure, I'm a little bit less, even though it sounds like I'm adventurous living on a boat, I'm a little bit less inclined to have things that are scary. I don't like adrenaline now in my 30s. I'm not interested in that, but I still love to travel. So, But beyond that also, I think moving into this season of my life, it's a lot more about being of service as well and sharing support and community than it ever was in my 20s. That was really about a rebuilding period for me and and getting to know myself and being very expressive, whereas now I have a lot more interest and I just get so much joy from teaching and from mentoring and sharing that that would now be very much included in my values list where it wasn't that way before. Thank you for sharing that. And so thought-provoking and useful and it also kind of sparked more questions for me actually (laughs) like around okay so we realize this now that doesn't mean that we don't go through periods of self-doubt right where we do question ourselves and so I'm kind of curious what you both do and Nick you just touched on this a little bit to I guess, create or try to create an environment or a space or capacity for you to feel enough or successful or whatever word you might resonate with? Mm. Yeah, good question. Yeah, it's a great question. I thought you were going to go a different way with that. So I was going to say it was about surroundings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But maybe it is the same answer. I think for me now, it's a huge part of that is the people that I surround myself with or that are in my life are, and are those intimate relationships are, are incredibly supportive. And so I feel like when I do hit a road bump or, you know, a self-doubt moment, the people that I can reach out to, including you girls and, of course, my husband and my mum, I know that they have got my best interests at heart and they're not being – they're not in competition with me and they're not trying to peg me back or – you know, have passive aggressive behaviors going on that I did encounter quite a lot more in my 20s and I've sort of learned more around how to <laughs> just realize that I don't need, I don't need to be treated that way. And, um, and so I find that that helps me to feel enough and it can quickly then recalibrate and recenter and, and get back on the feeling enough and, and safe to continue on this quite an unconventional path, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So true. Thank you both for being part of that for me too. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a precious thing, isn't it? So is. What about you, Mandy? Are there things that help create that environment for you? Yeah, I have uh, what Nick said. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so important to have people that get you around. It doesn't have to be everyone, um, but to have someone that gets you um, and to be a bit thoughtful about who you share things with, I think can help protect you in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. That discernment is like one of the biggest life lessons, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people will respond to, to any kind of, um, request for advice or even if it's not requested, will often <laughs> provide advice. Um, and it, it's often, of course, a reflection of, of their own experiences. And, um, yeah, I think it's important to, 
like you said, be very discerning when it comes to looking externally for yeah advice and support. Or perhaps that's just my experience. <laughs> mm. No, absolutely. Definitely. It's something that I wish, you know, I, I don't have regrets particularly in my life, but I do wish for the younger, my younger self that I had have known a little bit more around those boundaries and understood what was appropriate behavior and what wasn't. I think as, um, you know, very kind-hearted people, it can be easy to just attract people that um, like to <laughs> use that for their own gain. And it's not always healthy. Mm. So what does success look like for both of you moving forward? Is there something in particular? Are there goals that you're working towards? Are there things that will make you feel more success? Or is that going against everything we've just discussed? Nay, do you want to go first? Hmm, good question. I think for me it is a little bit personally, only because I don't really anymore relate so much to equating the pursuit of goals with success. I think for me, and partly just listening to you both share then, I think for me, especially these days, I have a separation between goals and success. So in answering that question, I kind of feel like for me, it's more useful personally to anchor into some of what we were just talking about. So how can I stay connected to the things that create an environment for me to feel that way, like for me to be able to feel grounded in this enoughness and this sense of worth and connection with myself and others while I then focus on whatever goals happen to be goals at the time. So for me, I think the biggest lesson even this year has been focusing on creating that environment. So doing what we kind of some of the things we talked about in the one of the last episodes, actually, some of those practices and rituals and connecting, like finding ways to feel really grounded and connected to myself, to others, to spirit, to nature, to joy. Like when I can focus on those things. I feel grounded. I feel able to show up intentionally in a way to focus on whatever the goal is at the time and not have doubt and questions of success and things like that on my mind. Does that answer the question in a roundabout way? Yeah, yeah it does. And it's so personal too. It's not, it's not the traditional way that we might look at success in terms of how it might appear to everybody else and how it might measure up to what others are talking about around the family dinner table or looking across the fence at the neighbours and that kind of thing. It's very, very much coming back to what about that feeling, the feeling that you've been talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like when I'm not doing those things, so when I'm not anchoring into, I guess, exactly what the whole purpose of this podcast is. So like when I am caught up in the hustle and when I am kind of just go, 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 do, 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 that is when my mind is more likely to slip into this more judgmental measure success type space. But when I ditch the hustle and focus first on like prioritizing joy and grounding myself and showing up in an intentional way, that's when those things don't really take up space so much in my mind. 
But that's me. Like I, I am not saying there's anything wrong with like defining your version of success and using that as a tool to work through whatever it is that your goals are. Like they can be very deeply connected for others, and that can be a really useful framework for helping people move through or move towards goals. So I'm intrigued to know what you both do there <laughs> and whether you have any goals or areas that you're moving toward that you want to be successful with. Yeah. Well, I have an ambivalent relationship with even the word goals. Um, I think I grew up in an environment that was hugely goal-driven and goal-focused and it was very much an external definition of success. You know, I think it was also the 80s. The 80s were a hugely materialistic time and the economy was very different to it is now and there's been a shift in, in awareness and there's a lot more mindfulness now that our culture has incorporated and different levels of understanding around emotional health and mental health and all of those things I think that have moved on from the time when I was a young girl. Um, and for me, even the term goals, I do have goals listed in my asana, but um, they, I really look at them more as intentions and I suppose that's my way of diffusing that link like you were talking about, Nay, of linking the goal and the achievement of that goal with my own self-worth or feeling of success. And so it's more of a, um, more of a compass point or it's something to you know aim this ship towards. But if something else comes along the way, I'm really quite happy to adjust course and follow that instead. It's not I'm not fixed in any sense um, on achieving a specific outcome in any particular area, um, I don't think. Because for me, when I look back on my life, some of the very best decisions that I've made came from being very connected to my heart and to my body's reactions to different opportunities and my sense of connectedness with what felt right, not just what my mind said was the right thing, but what I really kind of knew to be the way that I wanted to go. And those things popped up without any planning or without any, you know, intention. I never intended, to, I didn't think I was going to get married and it wasn't something that I was looking for. And then I met Andrew and we got engaged after a week of dating and we were married in three months <laughs> and it was fantastic. It was what we needed and what we love and it's worked for us. And same with selling everything and buying a boat. It was about um, sort of looking around to see that we wanted to change our lifestyle. But then once we had that idea, we um, had sold everything. We'd bought the boat. We'd moved aboard. Andrew had quit his job all again in the space of three months. And there was no way that I could have had a five-year goal or plan that this was the way that my life was going to take. So for me, it's a lot more about being... Um, showing up with awareness around what's happening in my life and what's feeling good and what because I want to enjoy my days I want to enjoy the journey and if it's not working I'm not interested in slogging my guts out now in anticipation that somewhere in the future it's going to be better because I just believe that that's a lie and it's not really been my experience of how life works because we take that dissatisfaction with us it's a practiced habit in our mind that um, if we're always being hard on ourselves and we're always saying, I can't, I'll be happy when, then we'll arrive at that place and, and still not be satisfied and not be content and not feel at home in ourselves. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's a much more sort of curious, inquisitive, uh, flexible approach to living that um, I tend to choose these days. Yeah. Mm. And that makes sense. I guess one of our shared 
core values is around being gentle <laughs> given the work we're doing and, and this podcast. So it sounds like it, you know, some of these things that we're talking about are kind of an offshoot to that. Hey. Yeah, definitely. It feels like we should just ditch the word success. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start another podcast. <laughs> contentment or joy joy I loved what you said about yeah anchoring into joy and we don't see that as being necessarily something that's prioritized as having more of in our culture but it's such a beautiful measure of success it's being joyful if we can obviously there's times when life's really difficult as well but um trying to I guess tune into ourselves with a with an ear for compassion and an intentionality around making decisions that support us in each stage of our life instead of flogging ourselves to be this external definition of what the world tells us it should look like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It sort of sounds a little bit like um, something else that's coming to mind while you both speak about this is attachment too, having, having attachment to what the outcome should look like. And then with that comes either disappointment when you don't achieve it or fear when you do achieve it that you might lose it again. You know, I was reading about that in a book recently. I think it's called The Himalayan Masters and it shares, it shares some teachings from a bunch of different masters um, from over the, over the years. That was something that they shared. I remember highlighting it and writing it down and taking a note of it because it really resonated, that thought of when, when, you, when you've got that attachment to the outcome, you can have fear either way, whether you achieve it or whether you don't. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. So true. I think that's what I've been finding really interesting about my relationship with money because sometimes there's a part of me that thinks, well, it's not that I'm against money. I really, obviously, I love having money, but sometimes I have it in my mind of going, well, it just doesn't interest me or motivate me to to make more money for the sake of making more money. I know that the other side of that doesn't bring fulfillment in my experience and just feathering my own nest isn't enough to help me feel motivated to to do the things that feel uncomfortable in business sometimes, you know, being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and making offers. But when I anchor it into contributing or trying to share something that might increase somebody else's joy or increase somebody else's connection with themselves and with living in a way that is aligned with their heart, that for me feels really great. And I've been reading about uh, reading a beautiful book called The Soul of Money. And she talks a lot about this idea of enoughness and collaboration and um, using resources that are beyond even just money, but all our a- assets that we can bring to the table to serve others in symbiotic collaborations. I just think that's so exciting and motivating and, I th- and yeah, encouraging. Such a beautiful way to think of it. Yeah, I find it so much more interesting than just trying to get more zeros in my bank account. Like to think about what you can actually do with those resources and, and yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> just when you said that, the more zeros in the bank account, what immediately came to mind, and this might sound like a random tangent, but, but was Mandy when you had a launch. I don't remember how long back now, but there was a really joyful there was a way that you did it that felt really opening and joyful to me. And that was around when you had reached certain numbers, I think, in the launch, what you would do with that money or do with that. And to me, that was really exciting because it wasn't about the money. It was about the experience and the connection that it would bring with your little family and 
with the things that you wanted to do. So I wondered if that might be relevant to share. Yeah, I love that story too. Tell us about that, Mandy. Yeah, that was fun. And I think I got the um, inspiration to to do this from Cassie Mendoza-Jones, one of the guest teachers in our Gentle Business Mastermind. She's getting featured a lot. (laughs) Go, Cassie. (laughs) Yeah, it was this idea of setting mini goals for yourself when you're, or mini targets, if you don't like the word goals, Nicola, um, (laughs) um, with, with something fun next to each of them. So, for me, I used it with an online launch of the youth mentor training that I run. And, um, you know, if I get to five enrollments, um, I'd have a breakfast date with my partner. And then if it got to 10 enrollments, and I'll be honest, I came up with these, <laughs> with these t- targets after I already had 10 or 15 so that I could just create fun things for us to do <laughs> and felt like I was winning already. I like the easy win. <laughs> so we did the, the breakfast date and then 10 was something like, um, plan a little holiday or something like that but they got a little bit more elaborate the further along we got so if I got to to 30 enrollments it was take uh, Davey and our dog Trudy on a really nice holiday to Tassie or or, you know get a really beautiful beach house to to stay in for a week Um, and then there were other things like service-based things too like if you reach a certain number how much of that you would you would you could donate to to something and another one was if I get to this number, I'll hire a full-time VA. <laughs> so that, um, and it, it really shifted things for me because in the past I've had a number in mind that I've never reached. And so even though I don't get too involved in it and don't get too upset with it, it there was still some kind of level of disappointment when that number didn't get reached. And this way I had all these opportunities for celebration along the way and still had this, uh, these, um, this opening of, of things that could be achieved down the track too and, and what that could mean. But, yeah, you put it really eloquent there, Nay, that it sort of linked in the success with different experiences or different ways that you could use the money to reinvest in your business or to give back in society in some kind of way so that it felt a little bit more relevant than just extra numbers in a bank account, extra zeros. Mm. And it's so interesting because the difference in that equation is really in the quality of your attention and the way that you're you're looking at those things or, or we look at those things and when we bring appreciation and celebration around what we have it shifts that a focus from lack and scarcity and um you know not miss not and miss and missing the mark and instead you can start to really enjoy that sense of enoughness and the sense of ab- abundance and joyful yeah, milestones. I, I can't think of the, another word other than abundance, but I'm sure there's another word that feels a bit more in alignment here. But yeah, and it's it's just that giving it that attention and appreciation. That was something that Lynn Swift speaks about quite a bit in The Soul of Money is how we can appreciate what we have and that it really does shift the quality of our relationship with money. And um, even when we start to include into that appreciation our own connections and assets in terms of relationships in our life and the assets and qualities within ourselves. So our own motivation, our enthusiasm, our compassion, and recognizing all these assets that we have uh, within us and within our reach that don't necessarily always equate to dollars in the bank, but we actually have enough and we can be very resourceful. And she, she talks about it from a really interesting lens because she's done a lot of work in Africa and on the Hunger Project. She's a fundraising uh, manager and she's done loads of work for decades around that. But um, 
how you could, they would go into places in Africa and help that community to get back on their feet, but using their resources and, and the things within their landscape and within their personal power as a community to become more, to become self-sustaining instead of having aid handouts. And, um, and we can apply that lens to ourselves too. We can sometimes be so focused on lack and what we're not achieving or what we don't have and what other people in the online space have and what we can't have at this point in our life. And so therefore we start to feel like we, we're aid cases, you know, we're not going to make it and we can't do it. But when we can start to take inventory and stock of, well, hang on, you know, I'm really passionate about this thing and I really care and I've got energy for it or I've got, I've got some experience from over here in this other field that I can draw on those skills and bring them together and maybe I can, I can create this thing, whether it's a, a program, a workshop, a service or a, an event that will support other people and we can start to really feel into our own sense of sufficiency. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, sufficiency. Mm. So hopeful and such a beautiful way to reframe it. And it can be so much more personally aligned, I guess, because when you don't do that, you can find it's much easier to get caught up in striving for what others might be striving for or what you know, the industry, for example, as a whole deems as successful and you just go on autopilot and start to pursue those things too. Whereas, yeah, some of those things that you're talking about there kind of encourage us to connect in with, with ourselves and what we need and want and what brings us those feelings of sufficiency and enoughness. And joy and purpose and lighting us up and, yeah, it makes me think of another question around, you know, what would you do if you did have enough money or if you did have endless money or that question of what would you do if you won the lotto and would you do anything differently? Or are you loving the work that you do and the way that you live now that it wouldn't actually change much? Um, two things. The first thing that came to mind very quickly was there's also stories of in Lynn's book, The Soul of Money, about people who have been born into great wealth and they have all the resources that they could possibly need in life and how that can actually, when they're disconnected from their values, can end up feeling very stifling because they, they can easily feel like they're separated from their own ability to be generative and sustain their own needs. They don't know their own inner power or resources and that in it has its own pain to go with it too. So I thought that was a really interesting counterpoint to the concept of, you know, people can get jealous of people born with a silver spoon or there's, there can be challenges in any circumstances that we have in life. And again, it, she points out it comes down to their relationship with their values and being able to link their values in with their actions around money. So, um, she helped, helped coach a gentleman who was really suffering. He just he'd had breakdowns in his marriage and his children didn't respect him, but he'd always had enough money from his parents and his family's business and um and he was feeling like a real failure because on the outside it looked like he had all the trappings but on the inside he wasn't able to feel uh fulfilled and working with Lynn he started to uncover that he had a passion for helping um he started doing some volunteer work and working with young I think with children who had learning disabilities I might have this this story slightly wrong but Basically, he found a, perp a way that he felt he could contribute. And, and then in doing that, his children started to volunteer with him and it built their, their respect for him and their relationship together. And the way that he 
felt about himself and the way that he showed up in the world shifted because he put his attention on um, well, being of service in a way that was true for him and not just a martyr, but in something that really felt right for him. And um, so that's one part of that question. The other part for me <laughs> is um, I think I would just employ more people to help me get some of my projects done a little bit faster. But I don't think I would change a great deal more. We might buy a place on land but even that, we don't want that right now. So I don't think I'd, I'd like to travel a little bit more over to Europe with Andrew. That would, that's my the thing that I'd love to do. Um, yeah. What about you, Nay? I think I would like. I'm inviting all the money. Please don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the divine, whatever's out there, <laughs> don't take away from this that I don't want money. <laughs> uh, even though I have this complex. And this is probably a whole nother, another realm that I wouldn't even know where to start with, like a complex relationship with capitalism and everything like that. I also <laughs> want more money. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think it would be so, I, like I would spend my money on the things that I'm consciously trying to spend them on anyway. And that is things like what would bring joy and what will help me connect more with self and what will help me give and be there for others and what will help me connect more with nature and spirit and all of the things that I guess I value. There would be lots more plants <laughs> in my life. And, <laughs> you know, and we do have, we do, we would like to have our own boat and a full drive and things like that. So we can go out camping and in places that we otherwise can't reach. And so it's kind of an extension of things that I guess we already do. And that is moving into the space where you're not only feeling financially secure, but have enough to, I guess, purchase things that, that enhance experiences or lean into values that we have. Yeah, I love that. Again, it's an and, it's not a either role when it comes to money. Yeah, yeah. It's an extension and a, a greater depth of what you, how you're already living, but an extension of that. That's lovely. And I think that's the nice thing. Maybe that's a little part of this conversation is not putting off the things that you want in your life until everything looks perfect and seeing what, getting curious and finding out how you can incorporate those things that you want within your means right now. And it might be in a smaller way than what, you know, the magazines point as success, but it could still lead to the same feeling and that's well worthwhile. Mm. What about you, Amanda? What? Oh, I feel like I'm in trouble, Amanda. What would you do? <laughs> Amanda? <laughs> Amanda, come to the front of the class and tell us. <laughs> what would you do if you had all the money? Yeah, I'm in a what she said mode today um, about both of you. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really resonated with what you both said. And what you just said then, Nick, too, is, is making sure that it's not this future dream land that we get to eventually but um finding ways to to implement whatever it is that will will bring you joy or fulfillment or um success into your life right now for me something else that you said earlier nick has really stuck with me as well around it was just as you were talking about the extra dollar signs or the extra zeros in your account and um the time the time that often needs to be invested for zeros to appear um and it's a discussion that my partner and i've been having quite a bit lately just around you know if you do have enough and if you are feeling enough 
And if you are feeling fulfilled, why keep putting more on your plate? Why keep why add it? Why add to the stress load? Why add to the to the workload when you already have all of these things? Um, yeah, so this is something I've been pondering a bit lately. Yeah, it's a great one to ponder. Yeah, and what would it look like if we could have those things without having to? That's right. Have all the time and the extra work that it could end up being leveraged, and it it grows naturally, and then you still have the amount of time. Plus, you might even find that you have more time because you can have more support to implement the things that you're offering and you have the more dollars. Yeah. It's all yeah. possible. Mm, it's so um, elevating and freeing and it's like all the possibilities are open to us when we start exploring this and breaking down where some of those, where some of those limitations can, can come from, I suppose, and letting them go. Yeah. But I do think, though, I mean, we often hear that, what Naomi and I just said as a counterpoint, we both, we, we, it's quite common to hear that in the online space that we're a part of anyway, um, of having an abundance mindset and whatnot. But I think that that piece that you mentioned, Mandy, about it being very conscious of the time investment go- that goes into these things does get overlooked quite often. And, and usually there's a lag between um, the time that it takes to, to build something and then when those dollars start to, um, appear and and all the all the system starts to fit together and you start to have more organic reach and things like that that's happening through the momentum that you've built and I remember hearing an episode with Hero Boga where she was talking she'd often have clients come to her and they would say you know I want to grow I want to grow and so they would she would help them and they would grow <laughs> and then they would say I want to grow more and then they would grow more and then they'd say okay I'm exhausted and it can get, and then they would say, "How do I simplify again?" And I've heard it so many times in the um, entrepreneurial space too, where we go through different seasons in our life. There might be a child come along, there might be um, a health challenge come along, there could be aging parents, something that we want to direct our attention towards, and. It's, it's not the season to be focusing on growth. It's not the season to be putting pressure on ourselves to continue to expand. It's time for, you know, maybe pruning a few extra expenses and, and simplifying our business models so that we can show up wholeheartedly for those things that are really important to us. I love that you've used the word pruning there too, because it just, and you can probably expand on that analogy a bit given your background, but... Like, I feel like, you know, that doesn't mean, doesn't it, that you can't have more growth and expansion when prune and, and kind of tighten things for a little while. That doesn't mean that you can't now have abundance as well, just like when you prune something. <laughs> it's not the opposite of success. Yeah. That's right. And it's, it can be really hard, though, to get your mind around that, I think, because it's not how we're taught to think. And it takes a lot of curiosity and willingness to explore possibilities in order to open up to those experiences. I guess to give a a very quick example, because I know we need to wrap up. Um, When we were thinking of selling our house, there was part of me that thought, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't get out of the housing market because, well, then you'll never be able to get back in the housing market. You know, that's the predominant message that we hear all the time. And um, we were certainly being told it by people 
who loved us as well. And, uh, and I, I thought to myself, well, how many dollars did we actually make in capital gains each year on, the pro- on our property going up? And, and then I did the figures and, and looked at how much we would need to be saving each year to be able to keep up with that or to equal it or exceed it. And then did some figures around how that might come about. And it didn't come about in the way that I saw, but it has been possible. And in fact, we've been able to move forward more through not being in the property market than we would have if we had stayed in it. And I think that, yeah, being curious about what's actually important to you and what's possible in life can open up other doors for success and other ways for it to come into your life. Yeah. So true and such a great example. I love what you said there too about getting clear on the details as well because sometimes we can get so worked up in our mind, I feel, or I certainly can, um, around um, something not feeling achievable or something feeling like it's never going to work. And when you actually sit down and do figure out the details, um, look at the numbers, map things out and go, okay, well, if it's not, if the money's not coming from there, then where else could it come from? Um, often that's so enlightening and, and in a way that usually feels more accessible too. And it can just calm, can calm all the anxiety around it. Yeah, totally. It taps into that creativity and inspiration to think outside the box and get, get creative in our businesses and, and funny things come along too that you don't expect, like being offered a commission for <laughs> Uh, the foyer of a five-star resort um, just sort of out of the blue. So that's what happened for me and I didn't see that happening in the first year on living on a boat. It wouldn't have come into your forecasting. No, it didn't come into my forecasting, no, no. But I think, yeah, trying to be practical and give ourselves a sense of safety by looking at those numbers and getting getting practical can help us to be brave to step into that unknown. So that's success, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> Just scratches the surface. Oh, well, we'd love to invite, invite you all to share with us what, a gentle, what gentle success might look like for you too. If you could use the hashtag Ditch the Hustle podcast, that'd be a beautiful way to connect with us on, on Instagram and, and to share what, what success might look like for you or any other insights that you may have had during this particular episode or any episode. And um, we also wanted to make sure that you know that you're, you're really welcome to download our wonderful free ebook called Grow Your Business Gently. And that way you'll also be kept in the loop about the Gentle Business Mastermind for 2020. There's lots of beautiful journal prompts in there around success as well. And we would love, love, love to connect with you. Thanks so much for listening. And that wraps up this Ditch the Hustle podcast episode. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If this conversation stirred up a desire in you to explore what doing business gently might mean to you, you can get direct support, guidance and tools from Amanda, Naomi and myself in the Gentle Business Mastermind. It's an experience that supports new entrepreneurs and existing business owners to grow their businesses gently, sustainably and consciously. Along the way, you'll meet an incredible community of guest mentors and other gentle business masterminders from around the globe who you can both get support from and offer support in return while you explore growing your own business in alignment with your heart, vision, values and energy. Registration for the Gentle Business Mastermind is open in February to early March of 2020. 
You can find out more about it at gentlebusinessmastermind.com where you can also download our free Grow Your Business the Gentle Way ebook. It's full of inspiring tips and prompts to help you do business gently in your own way. Until next time, we wish you a truly beautiful day ahead. Hold up. 